0: Welcome to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair, talk radio to inspire, inform, and stimulate, bringing you enlightened discussions with authors, creatives, innovative business and health professionals, and ordinary people living extraordinary lives, sharing their expertise and life stories, making a difference, one word at a time. Now, here's your host, Vicki St. Clair.
1: Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Welcome. Well, as temperatures scorch the American landscape, including our front yards, uh, many of us are looking for more sustainable solutions. And coming in the second half of today's show, we're joined by gardening writer Ginny Stibolt. Together with landscape architect Sue Reed, she co-authored Climate Wise Landscaping, full of really great tips. And that's coming up around 12.40 today. But first, I'm very pleased to welcome Stephanie Garcia to the show She's the Community Business Development Manager at Lakewood Barnes Noble, where she supports local schools, nonprofits, and businesses with their book and tech needs. And she's joining us today to share some great summer reading recommendations and her passion for getting young children excited about books and reading. Important to get our kids reading early. Stephanie Garcia, welcome. Hi, Vicky. Thanks so much for having me. We're very pleased to have you here. So um, let's kick off with a little bit. More about what you do as community business development manager for Barnes & Noble.
2: Well, it's a fairly dynamic role. I'm not always on the radio. Um, I'm out in our community. I work mostly with our schools, whether it's the district or with administrators at the school, maybe librarians. We're working to get the books that kiddos need um, at the budget, as well as technology. Um, and I do work uh, quite a bit with government as well. Oh, done. Interesting. And so um, when you're working with schools, um, what, what
1: are their primary needs? I mean, what, what are you, how, how are you interacting with them? Yeah,
2: well, there's a lot of um, academic uh, textbooks that we're looking to fulfill, uh, the textbooks that are going to meet their needs for uh, what their initiatives and what their current drives are. Um, and with librarians, it's really their reading lists. Um, many of the middle schools and some of the high schools have um, Battle of the Books programs where kiddos read those books. And compete against other schools just to really engage them both with reading and with their peers. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. And so that's just kind of a mix of, of books in classrooms for classroom libraries as well as um, teacher materials. That's a big part of it as well, teaching mm-hmm. uh, whatever their new initiatives might be.
1: Right. Right. Now, do you go out? Do you actually interact with the kids yourself, or are you mainly with admin? mainly
2: mainly with the adults? It's it's a lot of fun with the kiddos, but I don't get to see them quite as much. We do have book fairs in the stores, and on occasion, I am able to be there for a book fair. So that's a ton of fun, just to be able to kneel down and talk to those kiddos. They're going to choose a book that that might just be a book that they want to read, but you never know when that book is going to. Um, Spark an interest in a career or a lifelong hobby.
1: Absolutely, you know it was my uh, favorite hour of the week when I was a kid. Well, one of them. I had quite a few. <laughs> but my grandmother would take the three of us—my uh, sister and I, a um, uh, brother and uh, sister, brother and I—to the library every week to exchange our books, and um, that. That was always a a thrill for me to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's really important because America has serious literary (laughs) problems. Um, And I I read this morning that two-thirds of students who can't read proficiently by the end of fourth grade uh, are most likely going to end up in jail or 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 welfare. Over 70% of America's inmates can't read above a fourth grade level.
2: I think it's alarming that... A lot of schools don't have a dedicated librarian anymore and we're seeing the impact of that um, as as the time is increased from when schools really have a dedicated librarian um, where a lot of that time the the role is filled by a teacher um, standing in so it's not a dedicated librarian and and we're seeing the results of that Um, and I I think it's uh, third grade I think it's gone. Which? Back to how
1: old is third grade? I don't have kids, so I, I always let forget me think, how old y- third grade is. <laughs> so
2: third grade. So my daughter is eleven. She's going into sixth grade. So I want to say you're going to be looking at seven or eight year olds mm-hmm. in third grade, and it and it really is a pivotal point for those kiddos, and it's it's the time when intervention is needed the most, and the resources at the school can be so strained at that intervention isn't available, which is going back to you talking about when you were a kiddo going to the library every week, whether it's a library or the bookstore, giving your children the opportunity to choose those books and knowing that as parents, we have the most ability to make an impact on those kiddos' uh, advantage in in literacy.
1: Well, nowadays, uh, I mean, I go to the library and the bookstore, but, Mm -hmm. you know, back then it was, uh, we didn't have the kind of bookstores we have now. And unfortunately, we have seen a lot go, so... Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm certainly grateful to have any bookstore still standing. (laughs) And we've got a
2: terrific Barnes & Noble down in Lakewood. It really is a fun place
1: to be. They've always been very helpful. I frequent that store a lot. I, I... I thought they must think I'm weird because I'm in here all the time.
2: <laughs> no, nope, nope, lots of regulars. <laughs>
1: but I I go in looking for ideas for the show mm-hmm. and new authors mm-hmm. and new titles and you know what might be a little bit different. So and everybody's always really helpful. So
2: oh, that's terrific. And I think the neat thing about a bookstore is is just the power of browsing and being able to peruse and maybe you've never thought of yourself as a sci-fi fan, but wander over to that sci-fi or romance or whatever that. Section might be that, that you wouldn't typically gravitate to, yeah. you, you'd be surprised.
1: It's very relaxing, it's very meditative,
2: mm-hmm. just <laughs> browsing the around right like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so uh, you know, another statistic I just want to throw out there, um, and then we'll move on. But from 2011 on, America was the only free market uh, organization for economic cooperation and development, uh, where the current generation was less educated than the previous one. So reading is really important. It, it,
2: it truly provides the platform for everything.
1: So what tips do you have for getting kids engaged in reading? So
2: studies have shown, and as a parent, I've got a, a, a coming sixth grader and a coming sophomore, you've got to get your kids to read 20 minutes a day, whether it's during the summer or it's during the school year, 20 minutes a day. Um, and, and parents, you can read to your kids. It doesn't end once they know how to read. Reading is not something where you, oh, I know how to read, Um, there's fluency, there's comprehension that you're going to want to work with your kiddos. So pick up a book when you've got a 12-year-old or even a 13-year-old and you'd be surprised. Um, But studies have shown that when kids read 20 minutes a day between kindergarten and sixth grade, those kids will have been exposed to 1.8 million words. Mm -hmm. And we know that testing isn't the end-all be-all. However, those students will typically test in the 90th percentile or higher. So you're giving your children a solid platform from which they can flourish and, and leap off into whatever interest, you know, whatever yeah. drives them.
1: Yeah, and you're also giving them the opportunity, even if they don't go to college, mm-hmm. etc., cetera, to pick up a book and read mm-hmm. <laughs> and educate themselves Absolutely. because Absolutely. self-education mm-hmm. is important. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to look at some books mm-hmm. that uh, Stephanie recommends um, from Barnes & Noble. And you are listening to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Please stay with us.
3: Parkinson's disease affects as many as one million people in the United States. At the Parkinson's Disease Foundation, it's our mission to beat this disease. To learn about the Parkinson's Disease Foundation, or if you want to help support our work, visit our website, pdf.org, or call us at 800-457-6676. In the Northwest, contact the Northwest Parkinson's Foundation at NWPF.org. Knowing
4: your breasts can save your life. Go to knowyourgirls.org for the facts you need on breast health. Brought to you by Susan G. Coleman and the Ad
3: Council. At Sundown Communications, we find that most of our clients are brilliant at what they do. But they lack the time and resources to write and create business messaging that delivers results. That's where we come in. Providing a diverse range of professional copywriting services for fresh strategic web content, PR, advertising and promotion, marketing, speeches, and much more.
0: Call us today so you can focus on what you do best, and we'll do the rest. Call 800-495-7617. That's 800 800- 495-7617.
1: Thanks for listening to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Listen to podcasts of past shows at conversationslive.net.
3: Alternative Talk 1150. Talk radio for the body, mind, and soul.
1: And welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. We are talking uh, in this segment with Stephanie Garcia. She's the Community Business Development Manager at Lakewood, Barnes & Noble, a place that Eric uh, Ryder, who's uh, here on the show with us every week, of course, keeping us live and myself uh, often frequent. So appreciate you being here, Stephanie. And um, we're going to look now at some uh, kids and young adult books, right? Yeah.
2: So we're going to begin with this one, a, yeah. uh, Cave Boy Dave. Yeah, what I brought this in, we have, uh, it's new, is the Kids Book Hangout. And the idea is to help kids discover uh, new books and also be able to meet other kids in the in the community. So I brought a few books um, that we, we're going to be showcasing. This first one will have four books, and it's for kids about six until about 12, but of course it's, Whatever your kiddos, if they're interested yeah. and they're 15, they're more than welcome. Um, Cowboy Dave, or Caveboy Dave, rather, is a really fun... This is going to be good for a reluctant reader, whether it's a boy or a girl. Because it's got pictures it in it. It does, yep, <laughs> It does. It's a graphic <laughs> novel. And I know that parents might kind of cringe at graphic novels. And as a parent myself, I definitely felt that way. However, they are a great... It's reading. Reading is reading is reading. And it's a great introduction for reluctant readers to kind of find... Hey, wait a minute! I like I like to read. I want to know what what uh, Cave Boy Dave is going to do next. So this is a great book. Um, I grabbed uh, Brown Girl Dreaming. Yes, one of those uh, this looks, yeah, this looks this uh, looks interesting. Absolutely, it's it's a National Book Award, it's a Newbery Honor, a uh, Coretta Scott King Award winner, and it is it it details um, the author's life growing up. Uh, in the 60s and 70s, from about when she was born until she was about 10.
1: Your author is Jacqueline Woodson.
2: Yes, yep, and she's a very prolific writer, so she's got lots of books out there. So if you like her her style, and this book is um, poetry. Oh, lovely, lovely. Yeah, and so the nice thing about a book like this is it might be a little daunting. However, it's broken up, and so it's much more palatable. Again, to a voracious reader, they're going to rip right through it, but she's got lots more. And to a reluctant reader, this might appeal as well. And it's I th- it's a great book.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's important to read about other cultures mm-hmm. for kids because I, I remember it's one of the banned books. It's been banned for ever since they started banning books. But uh, Little Black Sambo mm-hmm. was one of my favorites mm-hmm. as a kid. And I couldn't believe it was a banned book because it taught me how people dress so beautifully in African countries mm-hmm. with all these gorgeous colors and beads and and sparkly things, and yeah. uh, and much more than that, their lifestyle too. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, the neat thing about this program is we'll offer 20% off these books on um, the day of, of the get-together, which is going to be Saturday the 28th of July at 2 p.m. Okay. And it'll last about an hour. There'll be some, um, some activities, lots of fun things. And so you can go into any Barnes & Noble, and get this little coupon and take advantage of that. It's going to be at all the Barnes & Noble. Very good. Yeah. And, I, you know, this one is going to appeal to kiddos and parents alike. It's Hocus Pocus and an all-new sequel. And I know that it's July, and (laughs) I've got a book about (laughs) Halloween, but I know that there's people out there who are excited, and they're going to go, ooh, I've got to get this. So I haven't read it yet. But it looks like it's going to be a good one.
1: So uh, it says all new sequel. So yep. I'm assuming it's mm-hmm. the sequel to the Bat Midland movie, which was also a book, but. Exactly. Yeah. And okay. it takes
2: place 25 years later. Max and Allison, their daughter, uh, has a run in with the sisters. So this is a fun one. And we're going to. So play. yeah, kids and adults, as you said, will like <laughs> that one too. Right there. Uh, Very good. And then this um, young adult, probably one of the most popular genres. Um, it's, uh, actually, um, most, one of our most popular segments in the bookstore would be young adult, the hate you give, um, your readers might be familiar with it. It is again, another Coretta Scott King award, uh, honor. Um, it has got a couple of different nominations and winners of a lot of awards. This one is very apropos for what we're going on, what's going on in the world right now. Mm. Um, it's about a gal who lives in a poor black neighborhood and she goes to a fancy suburban prep school. And her best friend from elementary school is shot by the police. So it is a really in-depth, it's a very, very brutal, honest, beautifully written book. Mm-hmm. And it's actually going to be a movie very soon. Okay. Yeah, very popular. Very different to the books I used to
1: read as yeah. a young adult. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, and. Don't forget the Almanac, 2019 for kids. <laughs> this one, again, reluctant readers, boys, girls, um, young young teens are gonna like this. Just tons of facts. it lots very colorful. This is a fun one. If you've got younger kids to give them and they can just kind of tear through it and see the pictures, um, you can read it to your kids. you can read it with your kids. This is a great one for budding readers who are beginning to to read well on their own. Let them read this to you. let yeah. them let them tell you all the fun facts that they found. So this is a really fun. Fun kiddos book.
1: So we that's... we've had several, uh, I've done several segments on National Geographic books, yeah. and um, I always learn so much from the kids' books. I, I just love the kids' They're books. So fun. <laughs> yeah, they really are. Great information in short sound bites and pictures, and mm-hmm. really awesome.
2: Exactly. Yeah. All right.
1: So um, so let's. How about we move on to a classic then? Yeah. This is kind of different for summer
2: reading. Not maybe not everybody's cup of tea, but yep. if you like something a bit meatier. Yep. Truman Capote, In Cold Blood, um, a fantastic book. And Barnes & Noble has curated lots of summer ri- lists. So if you go into the story, you're not really sure what you're looking for. We have got um, just aisles and rows of summer reading um, based on different genres, different interests. If you like this book, this, this would be one you're interested in. And In Cold Blood is really credited as being one of the first true crime stories. And if you've ever read any Truman Capote, he's just got a beautiful a beautiful way with words yes very. He, he weaves a story you're interested you find yourself probably um being a little bit too sympathetic with some of the bad guys in the book uh, but it's a beautifully written book about um uh, a family that was murdered in 1959 in kansas so think about it if you've never been it's not a gory book but it's a just a really really well written book, and um,
1: he really integrated himself. He uh, did maybe a little too a little much, too much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> in, into the story. He did yeah. um, the characters He got a little, little too close, I yeah. think, and, yeah. and allowed
2: himself to get a little bit too in depth. But it's a nice launching pad to reading some other Truman Capote books that have that have made him such a um, an author of renown and somebody who's you were still talking about. It's still relevant, right? In right? Twenty eighteen. Right. Yeah. So it's in cold
1: blood.: In cold blood. Yep. okay. So let's look at uh, Game of Thrones. I've never watched that. <laughs> <Am laughs> I'm the only person in the world who's never watched this.
2: <laughs> so I feel like this was probably an easy, like, ah, oh, Stephanie, this was just too easy. Um, I, I grabbed Game of Thrones for a few reasons. It's a fabulous series of books. I myself not interested in fantasy. I say that, but it's so silly for me to say that because I got desperate. We had a copy of the first book, Game of Thrones at home. I didn't have a book to read, and I thought,. Ugh. I'm not interested. I picked it up, could not put it down. Check his website obsessively. Like, when is the next (laughs) book going to come out? Um, It's five series. It's five books in the series. And I've really become, I like to read series. I like to revisit characters or my friends. When you're reading, you you become emotionally attached to some of these characters. And, of course, the series. You don't need to read the books to enjoy the TV series. And you don't need to watch the TV series to enjoy the books. Okay. So it's, it's just a really well-written. And, and despite them being rather large, they really read easy. I know I was concerned. I'm like, ah, it's a lot of characters. It might be kind of a bit heavy. They're not at all. Mm-hmm. Really, really fun, easy read. And for somebody maybe who reads quickly, these are great books because they're nice and thick.
1: Well, I know people who I have friends and family members who are obsessed with fantasy <laughs> books and they could, they rip through the whole series yeah. and they just live in this world forever. <laughs> but but I, I'm not a fantasy person either, I, although I did love Lord of the Rings. Well,
2: and that's the thing. Give it a chance because yeah, that's what yeah. I said. I've never been somebody who's interested in fantasy and was really shocked at how much I enjoyed reading these books. Right, and, right. and so maybe I need to give some more fantasy a try.
1: <laughs> well, let's uh, let's switch gears. Let's yeah. this. Uh, f- Fascinates me, this cover. They say don't buy a book by its cover, right? But I buy books by their cover all the time. Absolutely. (laughs) And this is called Hillbilly Elegy, and it's a memoir of a family and culture in crisis. Mm -hmm. uh, J.D. Vance.
2: So this one was incredibly popular last year as a summer read. It was on a lot of um, national publication uh, summer reading lists. The reason I grabbed it is um, I loved it. It's also in paperback now, and that makes it a little bit more accessible to folks. It's a little bit lighter and smaller and easier to tuck into your overnight bag or your vacation bag. Um, J.D. Vance, he grew up in the Rust Belt, and his family is not immune from um, kind of the the cultural challenges that are being faced. And he is somebody who sort of rose above it despite himself, I think might be a good way to put it. Um, It's a beautifully written book. I believe it was his debut and it, um, it gives you a, a look at um, where some of the crisis in the Rust Belt and some of the behaviors that folks fall into over a generation and over right. generations that really kind of lead to um, kind of keeping you down and not being able to fulfill right. your own true prevent. Profan- potential or, you know, your family really um, kind of fallen apart. That
1: sounds interesting. Yeah. I might give that one a, a, a try. Yeah. I, I watched a documentary years ago about the Rust Belt yeah. and it wasn't until I saw that that I realized how difficult it is for people to leverage, you know, get up and move and, and do something Absolutely. different with their lives.
2: And it, it was an easy read. I read it in an afternoon. Um, it's it's a very easy to read. It's a very palatable book and it and it's going to be points where you cry, but there's also a few points where you kind of chuckle. So he's he's a very, very um, interesting interesting gentleman. And you root for him. And, and you're right. happy for him. And you're sad for him, too. So, right, right. Fantastic right. book, yeah. Mm-hmm. This looks interesting, too.
1: Yeah. Uh, the Untethered Soul, The Journey Beyond Yourself. And um,
2: this is a number one New York Times bestseller. Yeah. yeah. Really, the question on the back really says it all. Who are you really? Um, one of the reasons I grabbed that book is the, the different folks that are purchasing it for me i'm seeing it being purchased for a variety of um school reasons Uh, i've got some government purchases it's a very appealing book for um for a lot of different reasons i think um it it's just a journey beyond yourself Mm -hmm. and it is one that um definitely is on my summer read list. I haven't read it yet. I've read parts of it. Right. Uh, whenever I'm getting it in and I'm packing it for a customer, <laughs> I might flip through it a little bit. Um but it it really is it's kind of speaks to you when you when you look at the you look at the picture on the front and and what it says on the back. It's
1: it does. Yeah. Deepak Chopra says read this book carefully and you will <laughs> get more than a glimpse of eternity. I like this on the back. It says that um it it'll walk you through your relationship with your thoughts and emotions, helping you uncover the source and fluctuations of your inner energy. Because that's the thing a lot of people deal with is that roller coaster of and that, <laughs> ups and downs, and
2: that <laughs> inner voice, that inner voice always second guessing yourself. And yeah. I think so.
1: The, the Untethered Soul, Michael Singer, is the author on that.
2: Yep. And the answer. So this one, I probably a little bit heavier read, a little bit a little bit thicker. So. Grabbed this one. This is on our bestseller right now. It's the subtle art of not giving a blank. A blank. <laughs> it's by Mark Manson. He's a he's a very popular blog writer. I think he's got uh, yeah over two million readers. Um, again, this is a little bit lighter. I think it's another way uh, of finding out who you are really. It's about priorities. It's about it's a book about priorities. It has been wildly popular. Um, I've seen different age groups reading it. I've seen different, different walks of life reading it. And it is hilarious from just the little bit that I've read of it thus far. So this one is a little bit easier read, I think, if you're looking for something for a weekend getaway.
1: Um, what, what does he do, Mark Manson?
2: He's a blog writer. Oh, he he lives in New York City. Yeah, he he writes full time. He's a, and he's got a really popular blog and over 3 million copies of this book have been sold. So it is, uh, it's definitely one to to keep in mind.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I see you've got lots of uh, sticker thirty percent and twenty percent off for of members Me on here. Do. <laughs> <Stickers>. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, there's stickers everywhere. <laughs> All right, so um, we want to look at this one next. Sure. The clock dance, absolutely. So the go, clock dance. We'll look
2: at a novel, and then we need to take a quick break. Terrific. Um, so we introduced recently. Um, we've got uh, the Barnes and Noble. Um, what am I trying to say here? It's our book club. Um, the next we've had one. The next one is Wednesday the 8th of August from seven to eight. It's uh, clock dance by Anne Taylor or Ann Tyler rather and we do have uh, Barnes Noble exclusive editions that has a reader's guide and an essay from the author. So this one is really, really interesting. Um, it's she can count on one hand the defining moments of her life. She's just not had a whole lot happen. I think this is a book about folks who feel like their life should I think we all have an idea of what our life is is supposed to go like and how it's supposed to, to happen. And these are the milestones that we hit. And this is what's supposed to happen for me. And this book really tosses it up. She finds herself, she wants to be a grandmother. Um, she's not sure she ever is going to be one. And then she gets a phone call from a stranger. And she's not really sure why, but she feels compelled. She flies across the country to a young woman, her daughter and their dog. It's an impulsive decision that Willa doesn't normally make. She's in uncharted territory. And I think it just kind of redefines the expectations we set for ourselves. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so,
1: interesting. Yeah. Um, Anne Tyler is, She's. I know she's a Pulitzer Prize winner, it says right on the, mm-hmm. on the front there. <laughs> Has she written much lately? Is
2: this a... It, this is relatively new, yeah. Okay. I believe this is her latest release. Yeah. 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 Yep. Okay. Very
1: good. Wonderful. All right, well, we need to take a quick break, so we'll do that now, and then we've got a couple more books to look at with Stephanie Garcia from Barnes & Noble. And uh, one quick question before we go. You mentioned the book club, but that's down at Lakewood. It's it is, not it, at Bay. No,
2: it is. It's it, It's nationwide. Oh, it's and nationwide. It's, yep, nationwide, okay. Okay. Wednesday, August 8th from 7 to 8 p.m.
1: On Wednesday. Yep, on okay. Wednesday. Yep. Very cool. Terrific. Very cool. All right, we will be right back. You're listening to Conversations Live with Vicky St. Clair. Hi, this is Vicki St. Clair. If you have a business, service, or event and would like to deliver your message to a large audience, call me at 425 269 4772. Let Conversations Live shine the spotlight on you. Call 425 269 4772.
0: According to U.S. health reports, nearly 70% of Americans take prescription drugs, 20% of seniors take five or more prescriptions every day, and more than 164,000 patients died in 2017 from adverse drug effects. Coming next week on Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair, Seattle doctor and pioneer in integrated medicine, Dr. Jennifer Jacobs joins us for Do you really need that bill? How to avoid side effects, interactions, and other dangers of over-medication. Tune in Mondays at noon Pacific time and Fridays at 6 a.m. And find more information at conversationslive.net. Do you love wildlife? Then make a real difference by helping paws care for sick and injured wild animals. Volunteers help feed and clean the animals until they are well enough to return to the wild. Sign up today and help save a wildlife. No experience necessary. All training is provided visit pause.org or call 425-787-2500.
1: Thanks for listening to Conversations Live with Vicky St. Clair. Join us live every Monday at noon on Alternative Talk 1150 or stream live from conversationslive.net.
3: Be sure to support the sponsors of your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150.
1: And welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair, and my guest is Stephanie Garcia. She's joining us from Lakewood, Barnes & Noble, and uh, we're talking books right now, so <laughs> reading recommendations. Um, I think we'll do this one first, because this is kind of a, a different kind of summer read. Um, it's I'll Be Gone in the Dark, and it's a, it's a very new story. I mean, this just came to light, so... Tell
2: us what this is all about. So it's um, Michelle
1: McNamara is the author. She
2: is, and folks out there might know that she is um, Patton Oswalt's late wife. She passed away shortly before this book was finished. If I if I know that correctly, if I read that correctly, Um, and she was studying the search, or she was she was trying to find the Golden State Killer. And I think if anyone's seen the news recently, he was uh, found through ancestry DNA or ancestral DNA. Um, they found like a distant relative right. and they were able to find right. the killer. So this is her search for the Golden State Killer. Um, it's got a forward by Jillian Flynn and she's a uh, gone girl. You might be familiar with her. And an afterward by Pat Oswalt, her her uh, her widow. Um, and this is a, a killer that was brutal. I think he, you know, uh, well over 10 uh, victims and no discrimination it was men it was women it was it was older it was adults it was children um there were some girls that got away that he didn't actually um kill so just kind of an en- i don't want to say enigma but just radical just out there and and not following a ton of norms, right? Um, right, not your stereotypical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and it was for over a decade that he was out there on the loose. And so, really going to be an interesting read for folks for a variety of reasons. You don't have to be a true crime fan. Um, I don't think you have to be. Um, I think it's just an interesting story.
1: Right. Yeah. Number one New York Times bestseller yeah. again. Yeah. We've had a couple of number ones here. Absolutely, yeah. I'm sure this is going to do something. Okay, saving <laughs> the, the big one. <laughs> um, and this is sitting on my nightstand along with a bunch of other books. Um, Stephen King, The
2: Outsider. Yeah, just came out. Um, a new release. Haven't had the opportunity to read it myself. I've got two uh, co-workers, Jen and Tina, who both read it. They're... Uh, uh, both fairly uh, avid Stephen King readers, and they both said, you know, solid Stephen King didn't let him down. Solid book. Um, it's a nice thick tome, so you've got uh, you've got more than a, a Saturday afternoon's worth of reading. Um, when you read kind of the synopsis of the book, it's fairly unsettling. It involves an 11-year-old boy and um, a, a kind of a seems like a, a gentleman that everybody likes in the town has been implicated in this in this boy's fairly gruesome death so um the outsider is sure to keep you up reading and probably keep you <laughs> up at night if Stephen King books are, are uh are I like Stephen King I'm not a fan of all of his
1: work because I don't necessarily like that kind of story right but right, he's yeah. a great he story is teller. he is
2: he is and his you know the character development I think is pretty second to none. Yeah. Um, after it, I still can't sleep with my foot sticking out of <laughs> the covers, though. So, um, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm a little bit of a, of a wimp. But just beautifully well-written stories, again, and, and characters. And, of course, he weaves characters throughout kind of his all of his books. So that's right. a really neat kind of an Easter egg to see these different characters. Right. I saw him being books.
1: interviewed right when it came out because it's it's fairly new. Uh and uh it sounded very intriguing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he wouldn't give too much away there. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> um now I know you were sitting on the fence on this one yes. um for I'll let let you explain why, but I, I'd like to include it sure, because yeah. he's very he's been up here several times, David Sedaris. Yep. His sister Amy Sedaris has all been been up here several times. Um the new book is called Calypso. So why why second thoughts on this one?
2: Well, you know, it's It's one, it's a little bit darker than, again, I haven't had the opportunity to read it yet. Um, It's a little bit darker than... um, Well,
1: I guess these books are more for people who don't like light summer reading.
2: (laughs) Right, Right. Right. well, you know, he's uh, observing middle age and mortality. So probably not, if you're looking for an escape and a getaway, this might not be the book, but you're still going to laugh. You're still going to. Uh, it's still insightful.
1: And he's a great writer. He is.
2: Yeah, he really is. Um, and it's funny when you read uh, the flap. It's impossible to take a vacation from yourself. That's his vexing realization. <laughs> he buys a summer home. He's got these plans to just, you know, go kick it by the ocean. And unfortunately, he's still him, and he's still with himself. So <laughs> should be again. Not a, not a real thick one though. And so. Um, It should be a good one. You can toss it in your overnight bag or, you know, quick weekend getaway and still have something good to read. I love
1: that line, it's impossible to get away, (laughs) to
2: take a vacation from yourself. (laughs) I I was on a cruise once
1: with a bunch of people who were um, just going off and doing things and I was going off and doing my adventure trips and stuff and so I spent a lot of time alone because they didn't enjoy doing that and then one day... I'm like, God, I haven't talked to anyone. <laughs> it's like, and I saw them walking up to me and, and they're like, oh, there you are. We've been looking everywhere for you. And I was like, thank God I was just about to divorce myself. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Well, I so appreciate you being with us today. Uh, yeah. Time's flown by. And um final thoughts. Would you like to tell us anything else uh, that you have going on? Because I know you have a lot going we on. We do.
2: And I did forget when we were talking about kiddos. Thank you for reminding me. Um, Don't forget parents. We do have, oh and teachers too, um, a summer reading journal. So kiddos, it's for uh, kindergarten to sixth grade. They read eight books. They write the title and the author and their favorite part of that book. And they get to come in and choose. We've got a great selection of books. Um, They're kind of separated through grade level. But if Mm -hmm. you've got a first grader who's a little bit higher reading level, they're more than welcome to choose um, from one of the books on the, the higher lists. Um, and th- you can find these summer reading journals online or at any Barnes & Noble. Oh, and awesome. And it goes through September 3rd. So you've got some time, parents, to get in there, get your kiddos reading. You're going to help prevent the summer slide. You're going to get that 20 minutes a day reading, and and they'll be able to get a free book.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so if people have uh, any questions about anything, they just contact the store? Mm-hmm, absolutely. All right. Yep, yep. All right. Stephanie Garcia, thanks for being with us.
2: Thanks for having
1: me. It's been tons of fun. And uh, we will take a break. When, when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, landscaping with the climate uh, in, in mind, <laughs> considering we're having this drought right now. All right. We will be right back. You're listening to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair.
0: Let's see if I... I guess that... <sighs> this just isn't working.
4: Knowing you have a great idea for a book is one thing writing it another. So what's stopping you? Maybe you can't find time. Maybe you don't know where to begin. Maybe you wrote a couple of chapters then disappeared down a rabbit hole. Or maybe you'd rather someone else write it for you. Partnering with the right coach or ghostwriter can make all the difference between talking about your book and finishing your book. As an award-winning writer and strategic consultant, Vicky St. Clair's storytelling credits span from business, health, self-help, and memoir to New York Times and USA Today best-selling anthologies. Vicky partners with people just like you at the exact level you need, whether you need a little encouragement, editorial guidance, or full-blown ghostwriting and consulting services. If you're serious about telling the story you know is inside you, stop procrastinating. Let's get your story down on paper. Contact Vicki today. Email Vicki at VickiStClaire.com or call 1-800-495-7617. See more about Vicki and her work at VickiStClaire.com. Oh, yeah, that could
0: work.
3: This is Martha Norwalk, every Sunday morning beginning at 9am, thanks in part to best practitioner Dr. Nels Rasmussen, we cover the world of animals. This week, July 22nd, it's a Behavior Training and Healing Sunday with me. As an animal behavior therapist and trainer, I'll explain how I work and why it's so different from other trainers. I'll take your calls, answer your questions, plus we will get to know our newest call screener. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150.
0: Did you know that capsizing boats and people falling overboard account for over 70% of boating fatalities? 80% 80% of those fatalities occur on boats under 26 feet and on boats with operators who've had no formal boating instruction. 50% of all boating accidents involve alcohol. Be smart this summer. Know who you're boating with. Wear a Coast Guard-approved life jacket and don't drink in boat. This message is brought to you by supporters of Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair and the JMB Group, who wish you safe boating fun. According to U.S. Health Reports, nearly 70% of Americans take prescription drugs, 20% of seniors take five or more prescriptions every day, and more than 164,000 patients died in 2017 from adverse drug effects. Coming next week on Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair, Seattle doctor and pioneer in integrated medicine, Dr. Jennifer Jacobs joins us for Do You Really Need That Bill? How to Avoid Side Effects, Interactions, and Other Dangers of Overmedication." Tune in Mondays at noon Pacific time and Fridays at 6 a.m. And find more information at conversationslive.net.
1: Thanks for listening to Conversations Live with Vicky St. Clair. Follow me on Twitter at Vicki St. Clair.
3: Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash 1150 KKNW.
1: And welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. Well, as I said at the top of the hour, uh, you know, one of the concerns that I hear from neighbors down my street is... Um, how the sun is scorching the earth, and we've got uh, a great person with us, hopefully, who can help us with that today, Ginny Steibolt. Uh, she's one of the co-authors of Climate-Wise Landscaping, Practical, Su- Practical Actions for a Sustainable Future, and she wrote this with Sue Reed, who's a registered landscape architect with more than 30 years' experience, and uh, she specializes in designing sustainable landscapes. And uh, Ginny Steibolt... Uh, who's joining us right now, writes about Florida gardening. She uh, manages a sustainable gardening uh, Facebook page, but she's also a botanist. And uh, I'm going to bring her on. We can learn a little bit more about what that means and and what she does. Ginny Steibolt, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. So I know you're a botanist and you've done a lot of writing for uh, peer publications. So How did you get interested in doing this kind of work?
3: Well, actually, I do have a degree in botany, an advanced degree in botany, but I hadn't ever used it for anything professionally. I was into computers. But when I moved to Florida um, from Maryland, the difference was so vast that it, it threw me for a loop. And I bought some tulip bulbs from a local store and planted them and in the spring I had one leaf out of 64 bulbs that I planted and it made me angry so so I started writing out of frustration and it's turned into four books that I've written for University Press of Florida and I've written hundreds of articles trying to share how to be a good gardener in Florida because it's not like the rest of the east coast because our soil doesn't ever get cold. Right, right.
1: Well, so this book is is not just about Florida. I want to point that out. Absolutely not. No, this is is for everyone. This is for everyone because I've gone through and I've made several notes in here for my garden. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Not that I spend a lot of time there, but um, when I do, uh, I'd like to make some changes and I picked out some great tips here. Um, So how did you get together with uh, Sue Reed to write this book?
3: Well, yeah, Sue is in Massachusetts, and we were actually writing together as part of a group on, um was called, it was a blog called um, um, Beautiful Gardens and, or Native Gardens and Wildlife Gardens. It was, and the blog no longer exists, but we were part of a group of 20 or so. So Sue called me to see if I would be the co author with her because her background as a landscape architect is not as science-oriented as my background as a botanist. And so that's how it happened. Is actually Sue's idea, and uh, I, I've been up to her house for some uh, writing marathons um, <laughs> <laughs> because getting together actually makes a big difference in, in how the book comes together. right. So, Right. Um, we, we sort of split the sections. We have 10 sections, and I wrote the odd sections, and she wrote the even sections, and then we all did the editing and the, and the manipulation, but um, it, was, it was an interesting exercise uh, in partnering um, as a writing exercise.
1: Right, right. Well, you begin the book by saying uh, the book is a tool for anyone who wants to be Part of the solution to climate change. Uh, in other words, it answers the questions what can we do right now in the landscapes of our own backyards and communities? So, talk to us a little bit about um, wh- how, why you took this approach and how you set it up.
3: Well, we didn't actually debate climate change, uh, we just said, okay what can we do right now? What can anybody do right now in their yards and in their communities for their schools and their churches? Any small property owner can rearrange the way they manage their landscapes. And we had three missions as far as a climate-wise landscape. So in order to be climate-wise, we wanted to make your landscape more resilient to the changes that we are actually already experiencing. Um, more droughts, more severe droughts, more rain all, all coming all at once so we have more severe rain events and that kind of thing that are happening right now. so how you can make your landscape more resilient with that with that with the changing climate And then the second mission was to help wildlife, the pollinators and the birds uh, how can they uh, how can we support the wildlife, in the face of climate change and the third mission was to actually mitigate climate change because there are things that we can do in our yards that will actually make a real difference it's not huge but there's millions and millions of homeowners and small landscape managers so if we all work together it is going to make a big difference
1: right right so um what let's begin with one thing one thing off the top of your head that would make if we all did it, it, would make the biggest difference? Well, our first section is lawn. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah lawn... I, I love it. Liberate the lawn is the, is yeah. the action topic. Yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> Fortunately, lawn has become a big business, and companies are hired in a lot of cases to come in and manage a turf with one kind of grass, no weeds, not nothing, no brown spots, no dormancy, and that is done by poison mm. and overwatering. Um, here in Florida, we have 50 inches of rain, but still people have to irrigate to get the grass to be green all the time. Um, so it includes pesticides like fungicides to kill the fungus. It includes insecticides. It includes herbicides. And all of that actually is bad for the soil. Um, and so then they have to come in with synthetic fertilizer to keep, the, to keep the grass alive. And then you have to water it because the grass is growing. And then you have to mow it. Um, and because you're fertilizing, it grows much faster than it would normally. And so every time you mow it, it causes uh, more of a, a, you know, a carbon footprint every time you mow. Right, right. So if you if you have enough rainfall when we we put that at 20 inches annual rainfall um which which you guys certainly have oh, we de- we definitely get more than that <laughs> <laughs> if if there's at least 20 inches of annual rainfall you can have a lawn area but you just would let it be natural and you just mow what grows and there's going to be weeds and there's going to be other things that grow there and there's going to be some dead spots but other plants will come in so uh, another name for it is a freedom lawn because it's free from all those things right right i think that i think that is the biggest thing you can do is to change what you're doing to your lawn and the easiest thing to do and you save money
1: yes and uh you know i took a gardening class uh, years ago through the parks department uh, down in uh, pierce county and they said that we didn't have lawns until after World War II. And after right. World War II, America was in this kind of slump and, you know, people were, you know, emotionally slumped. And so they came up with this great idea um, to uh, sell the white picket fence. And that's when lawns came, became uh, fashionable, if you will.
3: And they were smaller because you had a hand mower. Right. (laughs) That's going to limit the size of your lawn. So it's just gotten completely out of hand. So if you want to be climate wise, we would recommend that you replace a lot of the lawn and just leave the lawn that you need for outdoor activities. Right. Um, And change the rest of it to something that's going to provide more habitat in ecosystem services right Uh so so you would have less to take care of yes
1: and you know had i known what i know now about my lawn and the full sun that i get all summer long (laughs) Uh i I would definitely have ripped that lawn out and put in a sustainable garden in the front um you Uh you do talk about you know maybe getting rid of your lawn and and making it uh filling it with plants or, or rockeries or whatever But you say you have to check with the local lawn ordinances on that.
3: Yeah. um, Yeah, sometimes you have to be uh, careful because you don't want somebody ripping out your meadow that you've put in because they think it's weeds. So sometimes (laughs) you need to manage it so that it looks like you did it on purpose. Um, But, yeah, the homeowners associations uh, can be very strict about what they will allow. Um, But, um, actually, the latest blog that I wrote on my own blog, GreenGardeningMatters.com, was a big homeowners uh, group in in Florida. Um, It's 100,000 people that live in it. It's a 55-plus community called The Villages. And they're very strict with their lawn ordinances, but um there are people who are doing native native lawns even in in this in this particular society. So right. it can be done. Right. but you need you do need to work um with the homeowners association or the municipality or, or whoever has got the lawn the lawn rules, okay. uh, so that it becomes acceptable. But and as, a, as a landscaper, you can put in some kind of more formal edging to your meadow so that it doesn't look like
1: weed. Right, right. So um, with climate change, of course, our native plants, and you talk a lot about, you know, use native plants wherever possible throughout the book, and we have some beautiful ones up here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, oh, yeah. But as, as climates get hotter and drier... We see less rain. Um, I, I was wondering what happens to those native plants, but you say in the book that most plants adapt to the hottest conditions.
3: Yeah. Um, well, the the native plants are what we would recommend, and and there's a, a, several reasons for that. It's because they co-evolved in your particular climate, so that your heavy rainfall season the native plants know how to deal with it where something from Asia may be used to some other landscape or other climate uh, reality. And um, so we figure that the native plants are going to be more resilient. and, And you would want to have a diversity so that you don't have all the same cultivar of the plant, which is probably just created by cuttings. You want actually some that grow from seeds so that there's some differences in the genetics so that when they're trying to adjust to the differing uh, climates that they have some way of evolving to uh, adjust. Right, right.
1: Um, Just to let listeners know in the book, I mean, you cover things like uh, in your action topic sections, you talk about designing flood-wise landscapes and creating fire-wise landscapes. Let's just touch on um, creating fire-wise landscapes because we've had some horrific fires of late and they seem to be getting oh worse God, every yeah. year.
3: Terrible, yeah, terrible. Um, but there are things that you can do in your, in your landscape to make your landscape somewhat less vulnerable. Um, and... I'm in Florida, and, and we we have Firewise landscaping down here because much of Florida is a fire uh, a fire uh, regulated uh, ecosystem, and so naturally that that occurs here. Um, but people are building into the wild areas, and so there are things that we can do. And one thing that, when you think about it, is the Plants that we plant along the foundations are right underneath the eaves. And so, actually, you want to get rid of those shrubs underneath the eaves of your house because if they catch fire, it's going to go right up into your attic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you'd want to keep the plants near your house, at least 30 feet off from your house. A little bit more is better. You want to keep it relatively clear. Um, so that there would be no way for, or less, it'd be less easy for the fire to go through the plants and and then get to your house. So that if there's no plants to burn, then it's not going to um, keep spreading. Right. It, right. You know. Of course, if a huge fire, it really doesn't make that much difference. But for a normal ground fire, it would stop if plants. Stopped right so right. You, you would and in this particular case you would actually have a lawn a green lawn so that it was watered enough so that it would not be highly flammable so um,
1: we're almost at the end of our segment here but i i want to just see if you can share a couple of tips about plants that would grow really well up here because uh many people have like get full sun in the summer and then in the winter, the plants, you know, they drown basically. (laughs) Right. But what kind of plants, what kind of plants manage both climates well?
3: Yeah. Well, I would, I would recommend that you get in touch with your local native plant society because they would have the knowledge and the recommendations for your local plant. Mm. So, um, that, and they would have, um, Knowledge of where to get them because they aren't always available in big box stores. Right. So, right. So you know that that is a problem. Right. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's an interesting it's an interesting situation. But we all can make a difference, and we should because we need to be good stewards. It's our only planet. <laughs> right.
1: Well, I love the book Climate Wise Landscaping: Practical Actions for a Sustainable Future by Sue Reed. And, of course, Ginny Steibalt who joined us in the studio today. Ginny, where's the best place for people to um, get hold of you, find out more information?
3: Well, there is a website, climatewiselandscaping.com, all run together, no dashes. And we also have a Facebook page where we are um, holding discussions this week about herbaceous plants. Um, And and the lead cover shot of the herbaceous plants is a photo I took in. Seattle with the oh. lavender, the la- lavender in a non-lawn front front uh, landscape that is just gorgeous. But that's a Seattle landscape.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Jenny Steibolt. Appreciate your time today. Okay. Thank you very much. And of course, my guest, uh, botanist Jenny uh, Stibald, her the new book, Climate Wise Landscaping, and um, some great tips in there. All right, that brings us to the end of today's show. We'll be back next week with an all live new show. Uh, if you have feedback or comments on today's show, if you missed any of the books that we ran through really quickly and missed an author name or a title, feel free to give me a call, 800-495-7617, 800-495-7617. Or you can email me at info at As always, I appreciate you spending this hour with us. We will see you next week. Until then, live well, live strong. Hi, this is Vicky St. Clair. If you have a business, service, or event and would like to deliver your message to a large audience, call me at 425-269-4772. Let Conversations Live shine the spotlight on you. Call 425-269-4772.
0: According to U.S. health reports, nearly 70% of Americans take prescription drugs. 20% of seniors take five or more prescriptions every day. And more than 164,000 patients died in 2017 from adverse drug effects. Coming next week on Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair, Seattle doctor and pioneer in integrated medicine, Dr. Jennifer Jacobs joins us for do you really need that bill? How to avoid side effects, interactions, and other dangers of over-medication. Tune in Mondays at noon Pacific time and Fridays at 6 a.m. and find more information at conversationslive.net.